This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Now, when I arrived in this country some 21 years ago, I fell in love with two TV shows. One was The Simpsons. The other show was called Tool Time. Tool Time, starring Tim Allen, was a sitcom in which the host of a regional cable show demonstrated various power tools. And even back then, there was no shortage of innovation in tools, with tools getting better and more powerful. So, we want more power, was the key slogan of the show. Today's power tools continue their trend of innovation, but recently the focus of innovation has somewhat shifted from raw power to tools becoming digital, smart, and connected. So what do these tools look like? How are they leading companies in the industry, pushing forward these innovations, and how will this change construction jobs? To explore these questions and others, I want to welcome two wonderful guests on my show today. In the first half, I will be talking to Sunesh Shah, who is Vice President for Brand and Digital at Bosch Power Tools North America. And in the second half of the show, I want to welcome Greg Wallace, Director of U.S. Tech Office at uh, Hilti. At this point, welcome, Sunesh. How are you? Hey, hey Sunesh. Um, between you and me, which Bosch Power Pool did you, did you lose last in your home? What's the last tool I use in my home? I actually use my circular saw. And what job was this? What did you do? We actually, my son and I and some of the neighborhood kids built a little library that sits on our front lawn. I don't know if you've seen these. Um, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I know which ones. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah, they are pretty cool. And uh, we were really excited about it. And just yesterday, uh, we had our first visitor. One of our neighbors was just sitting on the curb reading a book, and uh, it just made us smile. So uh, it's amazing sometimes. Uh, and I'm not very talented of a woodworker by any means, but... Um, getting the community together and uh, and watching what you can do is uh, really fun. And sometimes we think of power tools um, much more in the Tim Allen way, um, being in the industry, but um, it, it's kind of fun to use them in a more uh, community way as well, which is, uh, which is kind of fun for us. The power tools uh, at Bosch generate some $4 billion a year. Uh, who is your typical customer? Is it, is it more the, the consumer user like you and your, your family, or is it, is it more the modern uh, tradesman uh, who's doing this for a living? Well, the Bosch Power Tool organization uh, has a bunch of different brands, right? So we have the Bosch uh, Blue brand, we, we sometimes refer to it as, which is meant for the professional. And, and that's definitely um, in the construction trades uh, globally. So, And then we also have... Uh, the Bosch brand in green in, in many parts of the world, and that's really meant for the DIYer and uh, the home aficionado. We also have the Dremel brand, which is really popular here um, in the U.S. and many parts of Europe, uh, which is also for the creative and the maker. Um, and then we have uh, a few accessory brands as well that we support, uh, as well as some other pro brands. So really, you know, as we think about a global, our, our global organization, we try to appeal to a lot of different users um, with a lot of different products and a lot of different brands. I can tell you as a good German, I, I grew up with Bosch power tools and refrigerators and ovens and everything from Bosch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are the growth spots in that market? Uh, are there markets that are kind of taking off at the moment, or what, what are the industry trends in these kind of Bosch Blue, Green, the other brands that you may Mentioned. You know, it really does depend on the market, but let me talk a little bit here about the U.S. Uh, it's the market I think I know best, even though I've spent some time in some other parts of the world. Um, here in the U.S., I mean, uh, the, the construction trades are really strong right now. I think with the exception of some of the labor issues that the trades are facing, um, building continues to, to be a really positive growth engine for the overall economy. And therefore, by default, we do see a lot of positive uh, momentum in the power tool space, uh, pr- primarily on the pro side. Um, and in the 
DIY space, really we're seeing a tremendous amount of energy back into what we call this maker movement. And it's kind of phenomenal that like digitalization, where we talk about us spending time in front of our mobile phones in front of screens all day long, um, the communities that have been built online have really kind of reinvigorated this idea of making stuff. And we're seeing a lot of positive momentum in terms of individuals and small companies really trying to build and create. Um, Etsy is a tremendously positive example of of where we see that manifested in the economy, uh, where you have this ability for people just to pick up um, things around their house and kind of let their creativity flourish, and then you see that kind of manifest itself in this huge global marketplace that they can now support. Give us some examples of uh, recent Bosch products that you felt like have been phenomenally successful or that you're really passionate about. Sure. Um, one of the biggest ones that we've launched in the pro space here has been our new battery technology. We, we call the entire uh, line of products Core, Bosch Core. Uh, but really, you know, lithium-ion technology continues to evolve at a pretty rapid pace. I think, uh, you know, everything from the fact that a lot of us can drive electric cars nowadays, something really unthought of um, 10 years ago, uh, and that that technology, as it's ramped up, um, we also are seeing that manifest itself into the power tool space. And so, uh, what, one of the things that has been a huge trend for growth in the in the power tools industry over the last ten years has been cordless. So, a lot of times in, in the past, power tools require a lot of power to to run, and so therefore they're you know hampered by a cord. And as battery technology continues to get better and better, we are able to kind of also bring you know, essentially remove the cord from the equation and also still bring cost-effective approach and powerful approaches where people can use these products all day um, without actually struggling with finding a power source. And as you can imagine, on a job site, this is tremendously important um, versus maybe someone's garage where there's power to be had. So from our standpoint, we really looked at um, kind of the evolution in in the Mayan technology, and last year we launched a new battery platform, which was tremendously successful across the pro market. Uh, one of the things that we were able to do really well there was leverage the, the global Bosch organization to really help us um, drive efficiencies within uh, what we call battery certification. One of the most important steps in any new cell that comes out is making sure it's certified to be used in certain applications. And so with our wide-reaching network, in Bosch, we were able to do this first, and we continue to lead the um, the industry in terms of developing battery technology at scale um, in a way that allows us to be more powerful, more cost-effective, and also, most importantly, compact uh, and lightweight. So for our users to continue to be able to, to kind of extend the life and uh, processes by which they can apply our tools. So batteries is, is, is a mega trend. It's funny, it's just like in cars, right, where we also see, and Bosch certainly at the forefront of that, new drivetrains, new energy storage solutions. Um, now, you are vice president of brand and digital. So uh, are, are tools also becoming like more digital than uh, just being an electric power tool? Absolutely. And I think the connected space um deserves a larger conversation. I think sometimes, especially in, in, in traditional durable product categories, as kind of IoT has really kind of become to a point where we see a lot of smart things, your smart toaster, your smart refrigerator, um, I think a lot of product companies have taken the approach of saying, hey, I make that, that stuff already. Why not 
add a few electronics to it, maybe a mobile app, and let's make that thing smart. And I think it's a pretty, let's say, typical evolution of products. And when we look at IoT, um, first of all, as Bosch, this is a tremendous transformation as a global company, right? We are trans, we are significantly transforming our organization into an IoT company, which for us means really involved in building out sensors, software, and services. There are three S's that our strategy is based on in Bosch. And each division of Bosch, including Power Tools, is challenged to say, how are you going to make that a reality for your brand and your products? So when we look at the professional side of Power Tools, for example, we yes, we are connecting our tools. And yes, this is a really important move in the direction of where we think the, the job side of the future will go. But it also opens up a tremendous amount of opportunity for us in construction in general. When we look at the construction site, um, there's a lot of data that allows them to function uh, in the way that they do today, which if you've read any reports about the construction industry, it's not exactly one of the most productive. Um, buildings are still very much unique every time you build them. There's always this, um, this desire for construction to move in the direction of manufacturing, but construction isn't very repeatable. Um, in some cases, yes, but in many cases, commercial construction especially is very non-repeatable, and therefore you have a lot of processes that are first time every time you build it. So when we look at kind of the data that drives construction, this is a really transformative industry. Um, recently, um, BIM, B- Building Information Modeling, has really kind of been the, the star of the show from an architectural standpoint. So there's not many architects that aren't building everything digitally now, So you have all these building plans and data that are now transferred to the construction companies and GCs that can now really leverage this data in a new way. So we see a lot of new data transforming the job site, and we think that now has to continue in in one major way. We think products, physical products, especially on the job site, are going to be the new forms of data that don't exist today. So you now have plans in a digital format. You now have plans as data. We are now looking at all of the physical opportunities within a job site and saying, what data doesn't exist today? And how can we, A, create that data, and then, B, make that data very meaningful, and then, C, integrate it into the working environments that our users need? So when we think about connectivity, we are thinking holistically around how we create new data, how we analyze, process that data, and then how we deliver that data to the right people. Um, Sunesh, I, I think it would be maybe helpful to pick a very kind of concrete use case, maybe a carpenter or maybe somebody who's kind of uh, assembling something uh, on the job site, like like uh, uh, HVAC uh, pipes or something where, which requires some of your power tools. So you mentioned that there is new data that is becoming available. Uh, so, so make it concrete. Walk, walk me through a use case of how somebody who was kind of handling your tools would uh, spit out or create more data and would benefit from that integration with the building management systems that you kind of had hinted at earlier on? Sure. Let me tell you about a product that we, um, that's still in beta for us but that we've publicly talked about. Um, so one of the things that has plagued uh, 
various trades. So whether it's the MEP trades or the, the mechanical, electrical, plumbing trades, whether it's the general contractor, is that they have a lot of assets that they bring to the job site, right? And assets can mean they bring power tools to the job site or they can bring ladders, generators, etc. And as you can imagine, throughout the building process and, uh, you know, many of these trades work on multiple job sites, things get lost. Things, you're not sure where they are. Um, and most of these companies have a centralized warehouse in a region where they store a lot of this equipment and they designate it out to different job sites. And it's not uncommon that they don't really know where everything is. It's mostly managed via spreadsheets or some archaic tool that that inventory manager has come up with. So we've um, recently put out, uh, again, in beta, um, a Bluetooth tag management system where you have these little little tags that can glue on to various different devices. And they send signals out, and they essentially allow you to categorize and understand where your products are at any given time, where your assets are. And our back end that we've developed is really kind of the heart and soul of this, this toolkit. Um, it is an operating system for an inventory manager. And again, we've created data that didn't exist, and now the beautiful part of what we get to do is now innovate on those use cases that we hear every inventory manager challenge with. For example, letting them know when um, a product is working or not. So now there's an easy way for someone on the job site to say product X is not working, so he knows he has to go grab it and put it into maintenance. In another way, um, job site managers, it's not uncommon that they talk to each other, and someone may call another job site manager and say, hey, um, do you have a circular saw that I can bring to mine? And the answer would be yes. The inventory manager rarely knows that this transfer actually happened. So now with data, we can actually show that that transfer happened, and he now, and the inventory manager, has full visibility in terms of where their assets are at any given time. So it's, it's again, this idea of taking data that didn't exist, building it out into a platform, and allowing it to be seen by multiple people. That's really kind of helped us transform. It's very interesting that uh, these platforms seem to be popping up in many industries. And what I noticed in construction, uh, I've, I've seen two interesting presentations recently, uh, maybe to illustrate what this means for competition. One was by Microsoft, who on their developer conference talked about image recognition and video processing, where they are basically filming construction workers and making sure that, again, tools don't get lost, the so people are qualified to do the job. Mm -hmm. And the other one was, I, I think, I believe it was by Daimler, was presenting a a construction vehicle that was basically doing the inventory management and kind of the vehicle tracking the tools. Isn't it remarkable that now as a power tool company, you're competing against very different animals now, right? It used to be the Stiels, the Hilties of this world that you were competing against, mm -hmm. and suddenly you're competing against Daimler and Microsoft. Absolutely. Uh, I was at a conference uh, a few weeks ago on a, on a very local topic here in Chicago around connected construction, and um, it was fascinating that around the table there was no other power tool companies, but there was Oracle, Microsoft, and a lot of software companies very, very interested in the space. Uh, and, and yes, you can look at it as, as competition. We look at it a little bit differently depending on the, the company strategy that we're, we're talking with. Um, we are really trying to build out open ecosystems. It's, we think it's very, very important for us. Um, our heritage and our value proposition is in making stuff. That's what we know how to do. That's not what we know how to do very well. Um, 
And as we gather data from these pieces, we also understand that our users are looking for this data and insights across multiple different platforms. And our objective is, re is rarely to build out that entire value chain from physical product to data to insights to platform to view it in and not allow any other data to be in or out. So one of the things that we think we've done exceptionally well in this space is really kind of build out a partner ecosystem, and we continue to do so. We've um, built out a high level of integration with our asset management tool, and we continue to find new partners for that. And that has helped us, A, access new user groups, but B, really help us work in this process way, which in our, in our industry, it's so fragmented. You know, construction is not like you have the majority of the volume being done by a handful of people. It's, it's very, very fragmented. And what you realize is that each company has its own processes, its own tools, its own way of wanting to work. And our job is to make sure that we can be highly um, integratable with various different toolkits. So I think what you'll find from us is an opportunity to leverage Microsoft, leverage Oracle, leverage Procore, leverage Triax, leverage a lot of the startups in the industry as well as the established players, um, and really take some ownable positions on um, key use cases that we think are deserving of, of where our product lies in the market. So in respect to the use cases, you mentioned the inventory use case and making sure that we know where each of the tools are. Um, as part of a connected power tool, you're also generating a lot of interesting data about labor, right? And everybody who has done construction projects knows that labor is where the money is. And so you allow, at least technically, you allow for dramatically new ways of tracking and potentially enhancing the productivity of the, the labor there. Is that something that you're pursuing? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the challenges we face um, as a power tool manufacturer in a single brand is if you entered into a job site, you would see what we call kind of a rainbow of colors, right? So in our industry, we tend to refer to each brand as a different color. Um, and one of the things that isn't really synchronized is that there isn't a common place for a different brands of tools to provide the same data in the same structured format. And one of the problems we see happening is that, you know, while we may be looking at data in one way, our competitors in the power tool space may be looking at data in a different way. This becomes a huge problem and opportunity for us to solve. So take your example of looking at labor and labor productivity. Um, let's say over time we can start to drive out um, how many Uh, you know, how long someone should be working with a, a, a typical power tool product to be doing a certain trade um, at a certain phase in construction. So, for example, you would know that typical carpenter has to make 500 cuts a day for them to be considered productive. Mm -hmm. You can now measure that level of productivity. Um, I, I think one of the things that we have to help the industry get better in is saying that regardless of the power tool that you're using, regardless of the brand that you're using, the data that comes out is going to be structured in a fashion that allows you to make those decisions. And I think if, if, if all of us as, as, as companies try to build out our own way of doing this, I don't think we're going to be very user-focused at all. So that's one of the challenges we face that we haven't really come together and solved. But I do think as we think of structuring our data and trying to build open networks, those brands that are going to be more integratable and more open to this are the ones that are going to win actually on the job site. 
So we look at that as a, as a competitive advantage for us um, because all of your use cases that, that you mentioned on labor, it requires a lot of other partners um, to be able to do well. If you look at the history of, of technologies that across many industries is that as tools, as machines are getting smarter, there's a certain substitution of uh, labor versus capital in the sense that if the knowledge now resides in the tool as opposed to in the craftsman, I can use less skilled labor. Mm -hmm. Is there any hope for people like me who has uh, absolutely no handyman skills at all <laughs> that your smart tools are in some sense allowing me to build a cool library like you mentioned at the beginning of the show? Uh, a, a cool kind of the construction project, woodworking project, that is basically codifying a the knowledge that you observe from tens of thousands of master craftsmen through your tools and codifying the knowledge, allowing, again, people like me to become more productive or even enter the game at all? Absolutely. I think one of the areas where this is where this is most interesting is what's happening in kind of the measuring area, right? So uh, we have a, a fairly large measuring tools division, and they use um, various technologies, but mostly lasers to kind of project um, lines, right? And so you can kind of see how to lay tile out on a wall. And in this arena, we see a lot of opportunity to leverage the projection data to do even more interesting things. So, for example... Let's say you wanted to um, put up tile in your kitchen, right? And you're not very handy, and you're saying, I have no idea how to start this project. Um, imagine a tool that could actually take into account the tile that you bought, the size of it, the way you wanted to lay it out, and actually projected that entire thing up on your wall in a very easy way for you then to just kind of pop it in, caulk, and, put, and, uh, and, and execute. And so we look at those opportunities as, as kind of game-changing for, um, for low skill um, because the other big problem we face in, in, the, in the trades, and I mentioned this earlier, is that there is a gap in skilled labor in the trades today. And this is going to be one of those really defining moments for, uh, for the U.S. construction industry because – you know, there's an opportunity now to leverage things like robots in a unique way and replace some of the traditional labor. At the same time, that future isn't here yet, um, and it's still probably some years away before they're really adopted onto the job site, these levels of technology. However, um, how do we fill the training gap today? We see a big opportunity to leverage the data we have and the information we have in formats that are really interesting, like YouTube, et cetera, to say, hey, here's how you can learn something really fast. And I, I don't think we're going to be at the position in the short term where you can just grab a tool and say, build me X. But I do believe that these technologies will first reside on the job site in, in more professional manners and then make their way down to the DIYer. Well, certainly in times where construction jobs are in great shortage, right, in many ways that yes. the, the construction industry is, is booming. Everybody who has looked for a contractor recently knows, knows the pain of finding a good one. And so bringing in new labor to that kind of industry would potentially be, a, be really a major impact on the economy. Yes, no doubt. And I think there's some companies that are really trying to do this. There was a few startups that were really trying to help uh, tradesmen and contractors market themselves better. Um, build marketplaces between some of the large construction companies and labor. Um, one of the biggest challenges, though, is that the millennial workforce just isn't entering at the same rate. 
And I think that's one of the initiatives that Bosch um, is is looking to maybe support. And we're looking at a few opportunities here as a global company. I mean, remember we have we have a lot of divisions. Um, we have a, a very large energy and and, um, and building systems division that works on everything from HVAC systems to security systems, which have to be installed by qualified tradespeople. And then even our appliance division needs qualified tradespeople for installation. So as we look at our uh, at our overall organization and our company, I mean, we do want to support the trades because we need um, skilled, high-quality labor to really leverage our business. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting time for us here in the U.S., and uh, we're, we're looking at some of those options to see how we can be um, a much more, we've always been a very strong value-driven company, and how do we kind of bring that to life in the trades? Does this in any way put you in a difficult situation talking to your current customers? And in, in some sense, I mean, I, I don't want to use a harsh word here, but you're devaluing their current skills, right? Because, again, you're codifying that knowledge and have them embedded in a piece of software and in, in, in a piece of, of hardware, And so the the old master craftsman, so to say, is now competing against the new master craftsman who has uh, half the training, the third of the skill, and is just competing because of the fact that they have your smart tools. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't think our tools um, in, in the industry will be at at a level where they could replace a master tradesperson anytime soon. Um, I do think what you will find more often is the way to take you know, rework today on a job site is up to 20% of the cost of the actual building. It's, an, it's, an, it's a tremendous amount of cost that um, is driving, you know, every project essentially being over budget that's in the construction trades. And, and so if you look at that arena and you start to say to yourselves, how do we eliminate things like rework? Really what it comes down to is how do you, how do you have plans that are clearer and cleaner for people to execute on? And then secondly, how do you train folks to be um, right the first time? So on the first piece there where you have plans, we talked a little bit about architects modeling all their data. That data still has to get to a tradesperson who's on the 50th floor of a high-rise putting in a shelf. And if they are a quarter of an inch off, that could disrupt the next three people that have to come in and do something after him. So it's very, very important that we leverage that data for the productivity of the industry. On the second note, yes, there is a lot of training because we do have to find a way in this industry to get a lot of people up to speed very quickly. Um, otherwise, we will continue to face this labor shortage for some serious amount of time. So the, your, your argument is basically there's just so much need for labor, A, and such a productivity opportunity, B, that basically uh, a game-changing technology would not cut into jobs or wages. It would just basically make construction go smoother, have more projects completed, and Absolutely. Uh, do everybody and, and, well. Yeah. And I think some of the technology that we've seen um, – You know, kind of can prove this out. Uh, there was a, there, there's a lot of, uh, th there's a lot of robotics that are being kind of just beginning in the space. Um, still probably cost prohibitive, but um, for example, bricklaying. Right. If you Google, you know, bricklaying robot, you'll see a bunch of these different types. Yeah, we had to show on bricklaying robots a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and and so what you see there is yes, that's a, that's a replacement of of certain of of, of the masonry bricklaying part, but it's not a replacement of how a mason would need to work and really get that product perfect and ready for um, the building to be transferred over to an owner, 
right? So one portion of it can be done via bricklaying, but it, it certainly can't do um, a lot of the functions that a uh, um, that the masonry industry does. So I, I think it is probably going to go low level, low skill first. We'll get taken over because the high skilled trades are the ones that are really in need right now all the time and will probably continue to be for a very long time. So Sunesh Shah, Vice President of Brand and Digital for Bosch Powerpools in North America. Thank you, Sunesh. Thank you for the time. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 